It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's the final mailbag Monday on the Lockdown Thunder podcast before the draft. What is the draft plan for the Oklahoma City Thunder? Are they going to trade up? Will they trade back? Who should they target? We're going to dive into it all on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we are conducting our final mailbag Monday of the pre-draft process. Time Machine Madness is coming up. Top targets, trade options, summer league. Did Josh Giddy influence the game and so much more? All coming up on today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Folks, we have a jam packed week ahead with the NBA draft on Thursday. We're going to have to have a lot of content come out. Over the next few days, we're here for you every single day, even in the off season. So subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from on Tuesday's show. We will discuss the NBA draft with Derek Parker of draft digest on Wednesday's show. Not only do you get my big board, but you also get a podcast with Keith Smith of spot track who will go over all of the incredible new nuggets in the CBA. So all of your questions about the CBA, get them in on Twitter and on YouTube, we're going to have Keith Smith, a salary cap expert, host of the front office show, talk about the CBA at large and how it impacts the Thunder. And then on Thursday, we'll do our annual best, worst, and most likely case scenario episode 
for the NBA draft as we do for every big event uh, that is on the docket for Oklahoma City. Friday, of course, recap the draft. Saturday, talk about talking to the rookies, and then we'll continue on Monday through Friday from there on out. So a lot to get to, a lot to be excited about, and let's dive into the first bit of news we have today right before the mailbag. Summer League schedule was announced. The Thunder will play in Salt Lake City. Of course, you already knew that, but the the opponents and dates are there. The 3rd of July at 8 p.m. Central, they'll play the Utah Jazz. The 5th of July against the Grizzlies at 6 Central, they'll play the 76ers. And I'm sorry, the Grizzlies. And then the 6th of July, they'll play the Sixers at 6 p.m. A lot of sixes. Six, Sixers, 6 p.m. Uh, these games will be on the ESPN family of networks, NBA TV, the NBA app in terms of watching them visually. You can also, of course, hear them on the radio uh, locally on the sports animal. So here's who's going to play in summer league for sure. Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Uh, Usman Jang confirmed to me uh, Friday that he'll play in the G League. Sam Presti was asked about Chet playing in his exit interview, and he said it was very possible. But as you know, we'll talk to Sam twice this week. And so I promise you, Sam will be asked again if Chet Holmgren will play in summer league and we'll get a more definitive answer um, at that time. And then I would imagine that Jay will will be on the table to play as well, at least in Salt Lake city. These guys typically that are, that have already played in the NBA uh, or in Chet's case year two, uh, they typically will only play in Salt Lake city and not play in Vegas. Um, plus you have the rookie class that's coming in uh, for OKC, whoever and, and how many ever that that might end up being. So that's just a bit of news off the top. Let's get into your mailbag Monday questions Sticking with Summer League at Cashy underscore AU. Do you think Josh Giddy playing in Summer League as a sophomore set the tone for guys like Jay Nivey, Shaden Sharp, et cetera, or will Josh Giddy be the outlier? So history tells us Josh Giddy will be the outlier. Like history tells us he's not going to um, um, set a trend because guys typically, if they have even rem- you know a monicum of success as a rookie, they typically do not play in summer league, their second year, especially not if they have Josh Giddy's level of success that he had his rookie year. So he's going to be the outlier. And let's not forget, there were circumstances around that that make sense. Not only does Josh Giddy love to play the same way that J-Dub loves to play and will play in summer league after a fantastic rookie year, but also with Josh Giddy, there was that component of wanting to work with Chet Holmgren and get a jump start on building chemistry with him uh, that cannot be undersold. But in general, the Thunder have, have drafted guys and have built a roster of guys that love to play basketball. So you see J-Dub, another player who historically um, has had a rookie year that does not require year two summer league, uh, still going to play at least a couple of games in the summer league circuit. So uh, in that case, maybe he set the tone for his own team, but but league-wide, I'll have to wait and see if he's going to actually set the tone there. I will say, talking to people in the NBA publicly and privately, Josh Giddy made a wonderful name and impression uh, and, and reputation for himself by playing in summer league as a sophomore that, that, that people were blown away uh, and, and have a lot of respect for him for doing that, especially as you saw other players who didn't have the caliber of rookie year that Josh Giddy had uh, entering year two, not playing in summer league. So I can tell you that it really impressed people in the NBA. Uh, and so, you know, J-Dub will do the same and so on and so forth. Uh, but let's get into your questions about the draft and everything else that you have on the mailbag question episode at OK Thunder. How does Chet's expectation from this next season impact the way that Sam Presti will draft? It will not, it will not have any bearing to me. What you think Chet Holmgren will be, what you think he can add to this roster immediately, what you think this team will look like with Chet Holmgren will have no bearing on who the Thunder draft. The Thunder are going to draft the best player that the, who they think will be the best player, not just next year, 
but also five years from now. The Thunder seem to not want to be predictive. Like they, they don't want to guess what Chet Holmgren needs. And I think specifically for that five position, that is a great route to go. There's other positions where it's easier to forecast, easier to project. The Thunder do not know how this core is going to play together. They do not know how Chet Holmgren will play in the NBA, and they don't want to make assumptions and then match him up with a terrible fit, you know, next to him down low. So I just think that this is a situation where they're not going to be predictive in terms of maximizing next year's fit and roster um, with this draft pick. If it just so happens to, you know, coincide, that's great. Like I think that Taylor Hendricks, and Drees Walker and drafting guys like that would, you know, make the case for fit wise being a perfect fit, but also talent wise, the argument of them being the best players here in you know, five years uh, from that draft slot. So uh, the, the main thing is going to be the main thing with the draft. It's going to be who the Thunder think will be the best players to me. So I don't think that Chet Holmgren will have any bearing on who the Thunder draft uh, in this one. And I think any player will on this roster. It'll just simply be who they think will be the best player. Um, at Coach Brenner, do you see OKC trading two or three picks, two picks from 2024 or or far in the future for a top 10 pick this year? Um, I, I could see them trading in the top 10. Yes, I, I could see them handing out picks to get up in this draft if they target a guy. And it's important to note that, like, we don't know if the Thunder share our opinions or not, right? So, like, I think that Drees Walker and Taylor Hendricks are a slam dunk like if you if you have an offer on the table, you go get those two guys. You know, one of the two guys uh, that they're perfect fits. I think Grady Dick would do a lot of stuff for this Thunder offense and do a lot of stuff for the Thunder team. Uh, that opinion might not be shared at Thunder Ion, right? We don't know. Our opinions of these guys might not be the same all the way around. But if they are the same, and if the Thunder do view um, Taylor Hendricks or Jerese Walker or the, one of the Thompson twins or whoever. Um, as great fits, then then they have the ability and, and maybe a deal on the table to do that. Um, that'd be great. I think that they they wouldn't be scared to do that. Now, look, we talked yesterday about how hard it is to trade up. Like draft draft night trades are harder than it seems on the surface. You cannot just overwhelm teams with a ton of draft capital. So it's going to be hard, and you and it takes two to tango. Uh, but I'll conclude it with the with the best way I can. The Thunder will not be scared to go trade up in this draft. They've traded up every year since 2019. They will not be scared to make a trade on draft night. Uh, if it's on the table and it looks good and they get the player that they want, they're going to do it. Uh, it's just a matter of if, if all that can come together. And sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Now, let's talk everyone's favorite prospect, Kobe Bufkin, and how his finishing ability uh, compares to SGA. Uh, and are there any prospects that could start over Lou Dort? Plus, ranking the Thunder's assets that they have all coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, about our good friends over at Ibotta. Ibotta is wonderful because, you know, folks, you're going to need to go grocery shopping, school shopping, get, get a little something from your, for yourself. You're going to need to do a lot of things shopping-wise. And, you know, you're already doing that. You're already doing all that shopping that you need to do. So why not earn yourself cash back with Ibotta? You can earn cash back on every shopping trip with Ibotta. It gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty accounts or upload your receipts. And whenever you shop, you can get cash back. It's that easy. So go there right now. On average, Ibotta users earn 120 
$1,500 per year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or it can give you cash backs to buy that flight you're looking for. Maybe you want to go to Summer League and you want to use your cash back to, to buy a flight out to Vegas and have a good time. Who knows? Uh, you can go check it out at Ibotta because our listeners get $5 just for trying Ibotta out with the code LOCKED whenever you register. So go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the Ibotta app. It's for free. Use code LOCKED and you're going to get $5 just for doing that. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A in the App Store or Google Play Store. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LL Thunderpod. Folks, you can even text the show. If you want to text the show, get direct line access and also some intel and everything else, check it out, 405-963-3686. Check that out today. So, Chet for Depoy. How does Buffkin's finishing ability compare at uh, compare to Shea at Kentucky? And which of these draft picks do you see stealing a starting spot from Lou Dort before the halfway point? Really interesting comp. Really fair comp, I think. Um, it's important to note that Buffkin has worked out with Shea and they have the same agent as Shea and, and Dort and Ryan Woolage as well. So, so a, an agency that the Thunder are very familiar with at the NBA and G League level. Uh, Buffkin uh, was also was also asked this question uh, from Shea Media. Uh, how does Buffkin and SGA's finishing packages relate to each other? Uh, I think that they're going to be described probably the same way, uh, like you know, herky jerky, finesse. Not just going to boom on you and put you on a poster every time you turn around. Like I think that they're going to have the same kind of um, scripters about how the job gets done. But I think that they both will finish at a high level in the NBA. Obviously, Shea's already doing that. He's already finishing at a high level in the NBA. I think Kobe Buffkin will be a high-level NBA finisher as well, which is going to be great for his career. Uh, so it's a great comp, interesting comp as well. Uh, now, as for the topic of Lou Dort, this was also asked by um, MK as well. Look, the only prospects I think that could realistically dethrone Ludor as a starter, Victor, obviously, but like that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, Scoot, maybe, but like to get Scoot, you need to trade someone from the core. So I don't think so. No, uh, Brandon Miller, same thing. Like, like if you just plot Brandon Miller on this team without trading anyone at all, besides future draft picks, I think that he'd be good enough to where uh, maybe at the midway point or, or, or whatever you, you do take a spot. But in general, I, I really don't think anyone can. And I think that um, 
that that's a testament to not only his defense, but his intensity and what he means to this team. Um, chemistry wise, like that's important as well. It's not just attribute ratings. Like I, I would compare Lou Dort to, to Cephalosha in the sense of, um, I think Lou Dort's a better defender than Cephalosha. Um, I think that Lou Dort has shooting upside still because uh, I think this is the year where, and I know I've been saying this for two or three years now, but I think that this is the year where he takes a step back in terms of shot attempts and the shot attempts that he gets are more suitable for his game. Like they're open corner threes um, where he's thrived at his whole career. He's thrived at corner threes and like, he'll get more of those. Um, he'll get easier rim looks, not like just these driving bowling ball rim looks, I think uh, this upcoming season. So like, I think he'll look even better offensively than he did um, to this point. He's a better defender than Tabo as well. But I, I think that he's one of these guys where his name will be said pregame and he'll close out certain games um, depending on the matchup. But there's also going to be matchups where um, he's not part of your closing five. So I, I think that that's kind of the, the role that he'll play on this team moving forward. I don't think that anyone will dethrone him. Like anyone that the Thunder can realistically get, um, I don't really see a way for the, him them to dethrone him in the sense of like a full-time permanent starter. You would look at Drees Walker, you'd look at Taylor Hendricks and go, um, you know, sliding J-Dub up to the three and putting them at the four uh, around Giddy, Shea, and Chet. That is very appetizing. And that's and that's how you're going to close some games if those two if one of those two guys are on your roster. Um, but I don't know about starting. I think that starting is like just kind of this different um, thing in, in the NBA. Uh, even though teams and players typically say it's not, uh, but you know we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think that Lou Dort will play starting level minutes all year long. Uh, I'll put it that way, even to to make it cleaner. Um, at me, bunch of numbers, final record prediction and seeding prediction for next season. Favorite Thunder game of all time, and how much is too much to trade up for Taylor Hendricks? So, final record prediction and seating prediction. Uh, record-wise, you know, let, let's talk about seating. Seating's more cleaner, right? Because record-wise, it, it can be anything. I think that they're going to be the five or six seed. I think that this is going to be a young team who takes the regular season very seriously, who has the youth and, you know, the the lunch pail and and grit to play nearly every game that they're healthy for. Um, and so that that's an advantage right there in the NBA. And they're gonna be young enough to still care about the NBA season, obviously. And they're gonna finish, you know, five, six seed, maybe four seed as well. But the West is really, really tough. And that that puts you at, you know, 45, 50 wins somewhere in that mix um for for the season. So yeah, I think I think that this team will avoid the playing tournament. I really do. Part of that's because of how talented they're going to be. Part of that's because of um, how seriously they'll take the um, regular season. And part of that is because we're already seeing things start to um, derail teams in the sense of like John Morant's suspension. In 25 games, you're not going to win the Larry O'Brien trophy, but in 25 games, you could sink your season. And not to say that Memphis will sink their season. But we saw last year, and it didn't end up mattering in this specific example, but it's just an example to use. Last year, the Thunder played an October baseball-style series against uh, the Clippers. Kawhi played in zero of those games, and Paul George played in one, and they swept that series. So, like, what if you play Memphis three times in that 25-game span and Jod doesn't play in any single one of them? You could win two of them. could win three of them, right? Typically, a very hard team for the Thunder to beat is Memphis. And so, um, you know, Stuff like that matters. Uh, injuries matter. Load management matters. Scheduling matters. Um, and I think that that puts a, a emphasis on how, how important the regular season is, and the Thunder will do that, uh, in my opinion. Uh, best 
uh, game. I'm going to say, I'm going to keep this as like my favorite Thunder game of all time in the sense of like games I've actually been to um, and not just like games I've watched on television. Um, I was at the the game before Thanksgiving, the, the Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant going forehead to forehead game where the Thunder just curb stomped the Warriors. Love that one. That was probably my favorite game. I was also at the 25 point comeback game against the Jazz. Um, both went with my sister on both those games. That was a lot of fun. And I think that like the energy of that Warriors game, and, and you got to remember like, that team was really good whenever Andre was playing uh, that, that felt like the thunder were back. And like, it was just kind of a moment of, of this feeling of like, yeah, Kevin Durant left and, and they had that season of Russ's MVP. They're not going anywhere. Right. Russ, Russ had said, you know, you know, we're coming, we're coming. And then they actually did come. Um, so uh, I would say that that's like my favorite game just to be at, uh, obviously watching on TV, you have a billion of them, but like actually being at, that's probably my favorite one. The, the Dame game. Too, by the way, like this year's game, whenever we're watching Dame break the Portland scoring record and uh, that series in general, that baseball style series in general, uh, was so fun. So fun. Um, um, so the last question, Taylor Hendricks, how much is too much to give up for him? In my opinion, and this is how bullish I am on Taylor Hendricks. Like I, I know that I have Drees Walker ahead of him, but I'm still very bullish on Taylor Hendricks. To me, the only stopping point in trade negotiations for Taylor Hendricks is a member of the core. I don't care how many first round picks you give up. Uh, I don't care when the picks are, who they're from, like whatever you got to do to get Taylor Hendricks outside of trading with a member of the core. Um, I, I think that do it. Like, like as long as it's not Josh, Shay, J-Dub, Chet, like if it's not those guys, do it to get Taylor Hendricks. Cause that, that's how much I believe that he really helps. You know, he really helps um, tie this all together and, and really start to, give you your group, like your group of five that you're going to roll with for a very long time. So I, I love it. I love it. Um, moving forward at Ben Glover is Wimby the only 2023 prospect that you would pit that you would trade up a member of the core for. Uh, so great question. Cause it just ties in with the last one. It's almost like I make the outlines. Um, yeah, uh, maybe, you know, you can, you can talk yourself into like, Hey, trade, trade, whatever you need to trade pick wise, plus giddy for scoot and just boil it down to, swapping out giddy for scoot but that's such a gamble that i would say no like i I, w- I would say no to that so i would end up saying yes to wimby would be the only one with it worth remember the core obviously ben notes that like that's not going to happen just trying to get a vibe for like what the line is for trading up a member of the core and i think that the only other argument for me would be like if you could convince charlotte or portland whoever ends up with scoot to do a bunch of picks and giddy maybe you discuss it but other than that i don't love anyone in this draft class that is that would need a member of the core to, to go get them, uh, in my opinion. I think that this core should be considered untouchable, at least until we see them play. Like, all of them have made improvements year over year, have have made improvements both individually and also team fit-wise year over year to where I want to see it. I want to see Chet play with Giddy and with Shea and with everyone else, um, J-Dub, everyone else uh, on this roster as well. So, yeah, I would say Victor would be like the only caliber of prospect I'd do that for but there would be debates about everyone else Uh, at M 20 workman. You step into a time machine and jump to April 2nd, 2028. What is the Western conference standings in April on April 2nd, 2028. We're going to get to that coming up, but first want to tell you right now, better good friends over at prize picks folks. Prize picks is incredible. It's where you want to be with the prize picks app. Go to prizepicks.com as well. And folks, when you use locked on uh, as a promo code, you're going to get a 100% deposit match up to $100 at prize picks. 
Gamesbook.com. It is incredible. It makes watching the games so much fun. It gives yourself something else to root for in the games. You pick two to six players and you project where they score more or less than their projections. And if you're right, you can win 25 times your money on any entry. There is no competing against other players. It's just you versus those projections. You can do it for the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men and women's college basketball, WNBA, soccer, NASCAR, esports, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basket, and more. So to make it simple, let's take baseball. You're going to go tomorrow. You're going to watch a baseball game. You're going to watch the Yankees play because they're the Yankees, right? And they're on national television. Let's throw a few shekels down on Giancarlo Stanton. More than one and a half hits. Let's do Aaron Judge. Sprinkle some money on Aaron Judge going uh, over half a home run in this game. And if you win, you can win 25 times your money. It's that simple, and you have something to root for while you're watching these games. It makes it so much fun um, to watch these games. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's that uh, fun, safe, and offers fast withdrawals. It's operational in 30 states in Canada. So go right now to the PricePix app or pricepix.com. Use code locked on. You're going to get 100% deposit match up to $100 with this promo code locked on whenever you go sign up today at PricePix. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us jam-packed week. For your next listen, go to the Locked NBA YouTube channel or the Locked NBA podcast feed, and you will find the entire mock draft that we did. An ultimate mock draft that has Raphael Barlow, that has Mavs draft, uh, that has all of our hosts on it, making our picks and trades even, a lot of trades. I made a trade to Sam Presti. Go listen to the draft, then... Listen to Sunday's episode of Locked on Thunder, and you'll hear my rationale for my trade that I made with, should I, get, should I tell you who it's with? Let's just say it's, I made the trade with the boss. And if you can figure out who the boss is, well, you're a winner. Um, so the, the question, at M20 Workman, you step into a time machine and jump to April 2nd, 2028. What are the Western Conference standings? We're going to have flying cars by 2028. So, we're in the time machine, right? We've landed. Still on planet Earth, by the way. Games aren't being played in Mars yet. That's coming, though. Trust me. I'm in the time machine, after all. So, here we are. Here we sit. The number one overall seed in the Western Conference is your Oklahoma City Thunder. And I don't say that as a homer, but find me the team that you're absolutely sure with how much you know about the NBA, with how much you know about this league. Find me the team that you're absolutely sure has enough assets, enough current talent, and enough young current talent that in this many years from now, what is that going to be? Four years from now? Five years from now? Find me the team that you think can withstand the turnover we see year over year in the NBA and deal with their own turnover, make up for it with their assets, and still be a very good team. Like, 
that's hard this far out to project. So I go Oklahoma City here as the team. And I think that we're going to be watching Oklahoma City and Chet Holmgren take on Wimby in San Antonio. I really believe that. Because San Antonio is a good organization. They've stockpiled some picks by trading Jonte Murray, and they've got one of the generational prospects that's young and will be, um, you know, in his, you know, stepping into his prime in 2028. I love it. I love it. I would say Memphis three, because although it's messy right now, you have the Dylan Brooks saga, you have the John Morant incidents. Again, remember what I said about OKC. They have the assets to, you know, make up for some kerfuffles along the way. Same with New Orleans at four. I know it's messy. Zion's out here doing some reckless things on and off the court. Well, he's not ever on the court, so just off the court mainly. Uh, Brandon Ingram, of course, is no spring chicken. We were talking about 2028. Um, But they have such an influx of capital that they can make this work, I think. Number five, the Dallas Mavericks. Here's here's my... This is the team I'm, I'm least sure of in my rankings. But it's because if they can withstand the Luka drama, like if you promise me Luka's on the team in 2028, if you promise me that on April 2nd, 2028, Luka's on the team, I think that this is their future, where they are just this 4-5 seed that brought in KP didn't work, brought in Kyrie didn't work. They're going to go get someone else with that caliber that's not going to work, but they're still just going to be so you know, middling because they have one of the best players in the world. But they keep pairing with guys that aren't working, but they also can't strip it down and get a guy that will work because, well, if you do that, you're going to lose Luka. So they're just kind of stuck in this, like, grab bag of all these other veterans that, like, maybe it'll work here and it never works there. But they still have a 4-5 or five seed because they have Luka. The Denver Nuggets at 6. Uh, probably too low, honestly, but uh, Jokic does not seem to love playing basketball. Uh, so if he was out of the league by 2028 by his own terms, would that stun you? You might say, huh, that's interesting. But would it just floor you and make you croak? No. So at, at six, I, I, I like the Nuggets there. You're also relying on Jamal Murray. He's had some injury issues, and luckily he's gotten over them and won a championship. But still, that's in the back of your mind. Uh, seven, Houston Rockets. Team that we do not seem to like in Oklahoma City. understand why. Their fans are pretty toxic on social media. But... I really believe in Jalen Green. I really believe in Jabari Smith. I really believe in in the coach, Ime Udoka. And once again, when we're projecting this far out, I need you to have assets to be able to go handle the influx and ebbs and flows of roster building four or five years out. Sacramento Kings, I just threw them on there because they're kind of fun, and I hope that they're still good. Utah Jazz, Danny Ainge, like I have a lot of faith in Danny Ainge to build a competent team. So they're they're probably honestly too low on this list with all the assets they have from Rudy Gobert and uh, Cleveland. They're honestly probably way too low. Uh, Clippers at 10, just because this is a Steve Ballmer thing and I have them at 10 for a reason. Like, sure, Kawhi and, and PG long gone 2028, but he's not going to let, he's not going to go down without a fight, so to say. Like he, he's going to go spin whatever it takes. He's going to break every CBA rule in the book and like pay taxes out the wazoo. And it's going to be for a 10 seat set 10 seat in the NBA. Uh, Minnesota. I love Anthony Edwards, but you've decimated your assets. What do you do with cat stuff like that? So I'm at 11 golden state again, by 2028, surely they're going to need to take a step back and rebuild the Lakers at 13 just seems so 
by this by this point in time, that might be some of the worst basketball the Lakers have ever played as a franchise. Uh, Portland at 14. The reason for this is that I think that they're going to hold on to Dame for too long. Uh, if, if Portland promised me that we're going to make a shrewd business move this offseason or next and trade Dame no matter what he says and, and no matter where he wants to be, we're just going to do it for the betterment of our franchise, then I could see, you know, I could see them moving up this ladder. But to me, they're going to keep holding on to this dream of Dame taking them to the promised land, and, and they simply do not have the pathway to make that happen for Dame. Dame, it's not Dame's fault. It's just the fact of the matter that they do not have the pathway to retool that roster to a championship level. They're going to keep thinking that they do, and they're going to hold on to him for too long. And then by 2028, they'll be starting their rebuild. Whenever they could get a huge jump start on it right now uh, by, by taking one of the guards, you know, Scoot, Eamon, whoever, uh, and trading Dame for a ton of assets. Uh, and then 15, the Suns. Like the Suns just traded for Bradley Beal. This is going to go very poorly, in my opinion. And they're banking on guys who are injury prone, who are old. They've given up all their assets. Like, I, I don't know where you pivot from here, so you better hope that you win one this year or next year uh, in Phoenix, in my opinion. So that's my rough shot at a at – a, uh, oops. That's my rough shot at a uh, prediction for 2028. Uh, at Hogsfan underscore 2001, which player do you think will be picked earlier than expected on draft night and who will fall? So you didn't give me a huge range. You didn't give me a range to, to say, like we're talking lottery picks or what. So I'll just give you everything that um, that I've heard or most of the things I've heard. I can't tell you everything, but I can tell you some things. I've heard that Pods is going to go first round. Like from everyone I've talked to about Brandon Podzinski, he's going to go first round. Uh, that's the intel he's gotten to this point. I can tell you that. And so should happen. Uh, Jordan Walsh. There was a mock draft that had him in the 50s. Uh, I think he had him exactly at 50 to OKC. Uh, from a source extremely close to Jordan Walsh, that is a joke, uh, and that he's gotten some great um, feedback, even from late first-round teams, but especially from early second-round teams. Uh, he's he's really impressed. I can just tell you, he's really, really impressed in the pre-draft process. Uh, and, and then for the lottery pick that I think could fall, uh, I, I could see a path where Grady Dick falls down the ladder a bit. Um, if you look at this, this lottery, right? He's not going to go to San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland, Houston, Detroit. Uh, I don't think he'll go at six to Orlando. He's not going to go at seven to Indiana, in my opinion. He's not going to go at eight to Washington, in my opinion. So then you have Utah at nine. Sure, but I don't think it will happen. Dallas at 10. At 10. Tim Cato said they're not going to draft him. If that's true, then you're already down to 11. And I think that 11 might be the spot for Grady Dick. But if it isn't, like if we're wrong about that, if we're wrong about um, Orlando picking Grady Dick at 11, then you're down to 12 already. And that's and that's just up to the thunder of what they want to do there. And I don't think if he gets past the thunder, I don't think he's going to go to Toronto. Uh, is he going to go to New Orleans? Maybe like, uh, so like you can see the tumble kind of happen for Grady Dick. If you like really analyze it as much as I like him as a prospect. Uh, so he's one that I wouldn't be stunned if he failed. I think has fall potential um, in, in this draft. At Clem Akofu, who do you think the thunder will, uh, will do this summer in terms of trade? Uh, stay intact, do a small-scale deal or a multi-team deal. I, I can't seem to do anything big. Like They're not going to push all in, in my opinion, on a trade market deal. Uh, as I've been saying all along on this podcast, the, the the biggest trade I could see them doing is like capitalizing on another big move. Like Let's say let's say I'm wrong and that Dame does get traded this offseason. Um, and, and that massive blockbuster trade, maybe you help facilitate it um, and you somehow luck into a guy the caliber of Jared Allen whenever Cleveland did this, whenever... Um, James Harden got traded. So like, maybe you can do that, but th that's about it to me. 
Uh, at Rashid Dubois, thoughts on Leonard Miller at 12. I love Leonard Miller. He's exactly 12th on my big, on my big board. He is an elite athlete. He is a great rebounder. He provides small ball rim protection. He has a, a really good skill set as a pick and roll ball handler and a passer for his size. He's elite in transition. He's elite at the rim. Uh, he puts really good pressure there as a, as a, you know, dunker spot guy, as a cutter, as a roller. I think he has shooting upside. I think that he made the best of a, of a clunky situation at G League Ignite, uh, and he'll be put in a more functional skill set, you know, a more functional display of a skill set in the NBA. And he's a very, very, very quick learner and quick developer. And like you put him in this Thunder infrastructure of their G League and their coaching staff and, and everything about this culture, he's going to do awesome in OKC if they were to draft him. So I love Leonard Miller. I'm, I'm a Leonard Miller stan. In fact, uh, at Michael Brunch, a uh, bunch of numbers. Could you do profiles on some guys that you like around the fifties? I'm going to try to for sure, but of course the draft is coming up pretty soon. So just some names. I really like that. If you want to look into them before I get to them, that's fine. I like Mike, uh, Mike miles. I, I reported that he did work out for OKC. Um, I don't know where he's going to go, but I do like him. Uh, Kathy Johnson. I love Kathy Johnson. I love Jaquavion Smith who is plummeting down boards right now. I don't know why um, in terms of like, just why would you take a shot on him in the, in the second round? Uh, Julian Phillips, EJ Gaines, Grant Sherfield, I love a lot uh, from Oklahoma. And the Thunder typically do go that local route, so maybe keep an eye on him. Uh, Charles uh, Batico from Alabama, I don't know if I said that right, but I do like the skill set he brings on like that 52-way, you know, one of the three two-way deals. Uh, Seth Lundy, not sure he's going to get to 50, but I do like him. And then Adam Flagler, I like him a lot in the second round as well. So those are a bunch of names who you can see making it around to 50. Uh, and remember, like in the second round, it's so easy. Like the second round is so easy to trade up for. Uh, if the Thunder wanted to, they could go get back a pick in the in the 30s in the second round if, if they wanted to. They have that much capital in terms of second round picks built up as well as first round picks, but they don't need that for the second round. But I'm just saying, like we always focus on how many first round picks the Thunder have. They have a lot of second round picks as well that they can use to move up the board in the second round if they like somebody that's falling. I'm at Rashid the boy. Could you see OKC trading down for two first round picks? Yes. I, I think that everything is on the table. I cannot stress that enough. Everything makes sense and is on the table for OKC. And that's why you're hearing a billion different things from a billion different people because everything makes sense. Uh, I would even love to grab Leonard Miller and CD Sissoko, the two Ignite guys. I'd love to grab them uh, in OKC. Uh, at Chris Pisa, could, you, uh, could the perceived weaknesses of next year's draft make it more difficult to trade those picks? Yes and no. Um, it could make it more difficult like if you're trying to get to number two, right? But it's still currency. And things change, you know, year to year. Like 12 months from now, there will be people, I promise you, who say, yeah, no, the 2024 draft is actually pretty good. So, you know, it's going to change. Like these players are going to get better. Some are going to get worse. And like eventually it'll just level out where you're going to talk yourself into these guys. But also it can, first round picks are not only valuable for the prospect you're bringing in, but it's also valuable for, optics and getting off of a, of a, of a you know, bad contract. Put it to you like this. The return for Bradley Beal was terrible in terms of like surface level, terrible. Like the, the, the sticker value of what the Woj tweet said, whenever you trade Bradley Beal, your franchise star, it looks different. If you have a 2024 first round pick now, not much different, but it does look different optics wise. If you, if you were going to get back a 2024 first round pick, because we're just talking about the sticker shock. It's like Usman Jang. The Thunder traded three first-round picks for Usman Jang. Two of those picks are absolutely god-awful. Granite, you made the same trade for Shingun. So where, so really what it boils down to is you picked Usman Jang over Alfred Shingun. 
And that might be a great move, a bad move, and a different move. Who knows? But like that's that's what it boils down to. But the sticker shock of like, whoa, three first round picks for Jang, it, it sounds huge. It's not really. Like, it's not. Like two of those picks are never going to convey uh, out of the draft. So at SN New Jersey Devils, is OKC in range where trading up, staying or staying put makes more sense? Uh, they can do whatever they want to, but I think that I think that they're going to move up or stay put. I'm not sure if they're going to actually move back, but they're going to take whoever they, whoever they think is the best player, in my opinion, for for their. They're not going to like draft for fit or for need to me. Uh, at Bull Walton, are people underestimating the impact that Shut's going to have on this team next year? Locally, I don't think so. Like locally, I think that people are pretty excited about what he's going to bring, and he'll bring you know. 15 points, eight rebounds, a couple assists, a couple blocks a game, floor spacing, five out, elite pick and roll option, rim protection, um, all that good stuff. Um, I, I think that's kind of what people expect locally. <laughs> and I can't really speak for the national perspective on what Chet will bring. He might get, be getting for, he might be, you know, being forgotten about a little bit maybe, but uh, I, I can't really speak for that. Uh, at Colin Miller 24, what are the most valuable and least valuable draft picks? I, I think that the Thunder have, have gotten to the point now in their, in their treasure chest of assets where they're all valuable. Because even the Nuggets, like like in 2027, 28, 29, you can convince yourself that like by then the Nuggets are not going to be good. It's so like whenever you're whenever you're approaching teams in trades and you're like, hey, we've got this Nuggets pick for you, you can sell them on that being a good pick. Sixers, like the Sixers are an Embiid or trade request away from being a dumpster fire. Uh, you can convince people of that pick being very lucrative. The Clippers and Rockets obviously need no sell pitch at all. Uh, you know, so uh, I think they're at a point where they're all really, really good. At, well, this is from YouTube, Darius uh, Ralston. Do you think that Presti will trade out of the first round for more picks? He could, but I don't think that he will. But he could. Uh, at QMAC on YouTube, if Blanc Lubale drops like he did in the Locked On mock draft, which, by the way, we did on the Thursday after the lottery, so uh, that's why he kind of dropped. Uh, do you think that OKC would trade Jerry slash Trey Mann for another young player to open up a roster spot? Uh, so let's just forget about the name here. Let's just talk about would you give up Jerry slash Trey Mann to bring in an, adi- an additional first-round pick later on, whoever that player may end up being? So I'm going to say yes, but listen to me. Yes, the Thunder are willing to part with Trey Mann and Jeremiah Robinson Earl to bring on an additional first-round pick. It's not going to be the reason why they get the first-round pick, though. Like a, a Trey man, Jerry trade is only going to be a swap for like a more cuttable contract. Like you're going to take on a contract that is more easier to cut. And the team giving you that contract will get a fly on a young player. They're not going to be involved in the trade to get that first round pick in the sense of like, they're the reason why they're going to be a splendid pack in your coffee. You're not gonna really going to even going to notice it. Uh, but in general, big picture here, no matter what the trade is for the, for the uh, first round pick, let's say that the thunder pick at 12, and then you get a woe certification that they've traded for pick number, you know, 21 from Brooklyn. Okay. No matter what that trade entails, they would then be comfortable taking a prospect at 21. And that means moving on from Trey Manor, Jeremiah Armstrong. Uh, that's obviously without sing- signal because it have to. And I'd throw Lindy Waters in there as well. Um, so it wouldn't shock me. Like just because the Thunder have this perceived roster crunch, there are names that you know, you can upgrade from quite frankly. So I wouldn't put that as like a reason why the Thunder do or do not trade up. Like the Thunder are going to do, can literally do anything because they have the roster spots to do anything. Um, you know, this draft, there are names who we like and who we're going to attach to, but like there are names that you can also move on from uh, if you needed to for a prospect who you perceive to be better. 
So there it is. Our first podcast, which has already gone over. Look, I got to apologize right now to the bosses. Uh, These podcasts this week are probably going to go over, (laughs) but it is a special week. You're at Locked on Thunder and in the NBA as a whole. So enjoy it. Tomorrow, we're talking with Derek Parker, Draft Digest. Wednesday, we're talking Keith Smith, CBA. So get your CBA questions in right now. And on Thursday, best, worst, and most likely case scenario for OKC. Friday, recap of the draft. Saturday, talking to the rookies. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So until then, subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from, including on YouTube. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.